Hey, thank you for joining us for season two of the UNI podcast. Our first episode is with Reina Noriega, an Afro-Latina author, educator, and visual artist. She received her BA in psychology from the Florida International University with a minor in art and English, taught graphic design and visual arts for four years in a public high school. For her, Art has always been a tool by which she could dive deeper into herself. The joy and clarity it brings her has led her to devote her work to help others heal and find happiness wherever they stand. Her personal work, she seeks to represent the beauty and vibrance of women and fill the world with find art of said women so that they can feel represented in those spaces. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Reina. The You and I podcast promotes love, happiness, and abundance. Through storytelling and sisterhood, they encourage self-love, a balanced worth ethic, and a healthy life. This is Ozzy and Caro, and thank you so much for listening to the You and I podcast. How are you? I am not sure. <laughs> That's what I've been telling everyone just in this time where so much is happening at once, um, so much good, so much change, so many revelations. I don't know. I'm adapting is what I'm doing. I like that. I feel that's all we can really do, though. That's all we can do for ourselves. Uh, But before we get started, we wanted to break the ice a little bit. So describe your perfect day. My perfect day, hmm, um, any day that I can wake up, meditate, do something for me, possibly by the water, a true Miami girl in the sense that I love being near the water, love being like outside where there's a breeze, um, just reading and relaxing and not thinking of any deadlines, any responsibilities, just yeah. being. That sounds like I like that time. I can't remember last time I didn't have a deadline. Sounds very good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But diving in, could you please share with us your background and the story that has led you to where you are now? Yeah. So my background, my heritage wise, uh, my mom's from the Bahamas. My dad's from Cuba. They met in Miami, made me. (laughs) And so they, I always think of them as like the millennials before millennials they both had kind of like non-conventional um, ways of life and, and jobs and stuff. My mom was an educator and a model. Um, my dad was an artist and a baseball player. And so they kind of like, they knew the free, freelance life before it was like acceptable. So for me growing up, I would always see my dad um, drawing and creating and stuff. And so that was kind of my first experience with art is just like wanting to be like him and wanting to draw on his like mysterious black sketchbook and so I got to the age where I didn't feel like I could draw you know I lost that childhood innocence where I would just draw for fun but I was really good at writing and my teachers always would enter me into contests and things like that so I was convinced that I would be a writer it wasn't until high school that I took an art class 
and you know just kind of like felt the love again and and um all of my classmates would tell me that my work was so much better than theirs when to me it looked like crap i took some art internships planned to go to college for art chickened out thinking that i wouldn't make it financially pursuing art so i ended up doing psychology didn't you know i did well in psychology class wise but i didn't take it serious in terms of like just lab hours and internships i always tended to do art internships you know i did an art basel internship and it's just like each time i would do something that was art related i would just feel myself fill up and i would just feel so much more full and so much more energized and excited um than i did doing anything else and i just knew that i needed to keep pursuing that feeling but obviously like i had there's no blueprint i had no idea what that would look like and i spent a lot of time trying to force that. I just really wanted to be a painter at first and just like everything. It was just very stressful, a lot of comparison. So I ended up going into teaching pretty much by accident. I was a substitute teacher throughout my college years and they knew that I liked art. They asked me, you know, to be an art teacher temporarily until they found someone and it became a four-year thing. And you know, just some of the best years of my life where I was just able to have an impact, continue to explore my creativity and it not be for like Instagram or for a gallery or to be noticed because all of those things put so much pressure on me. Like it was very hard for me to find my lane. So I attribute a lot of like me being able to find myself art-wise to my students and the years that I spent as an art teacher. Wow, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was beautiful. That's um, the, the gist. The gist of it. <laughs> uh, we know that you received your BA in psychology from Florida International University with a minor in art and English, but I wanted to know what made you lean more onto your minor after college? You know, it should not have been my minor. <laughs> I had applied. <laughs> I applied for visual art and I switched last minute and I... um. I thought of minors as like, if I ever do want to pursue this, I want to know that I had some formal education in it. So English, I thought English would help me with writing. And it turned out that English is not like creative writing. It's just like old Shakespeare and, and a lot of comparative essays and things like that. But the art, you know, it, it gave me my first opportunity to like work in a dark room with photography and to just like explore more concepts. So it just made it fun, you know? And also I didn't mention that, but I kind of like, I went into college with a lot of credits. I went in with like 44 credits from my high school program, um, the International Baccalaureate program. So it's kind of like I had a lot That's of nice. free room to like, nice. you know? <laughs> yeah, to kind of like just take some extra classes and it's, yeah. I, it's free. I have friends who do IV. How did you do that? They always tell me how IV is so like, so, so difficult. Like, I remember, like, some people were crying. Like, some of my friends were crying just about how intense IV was. So how was that for you? Like, what was your experience with IV? I mean, I'll say that's part of my mindset. Like, if people have done it, then that means that you can do it. You know, like, I knew that people graduated from it. And so it was kind of like, why not me? Um, something that was said to me that stuck with me and I still apply it to my life today is they would always say that if you're an IB, you can't have all three of your high school experience, you know, like you can't have 
good grades, sleep, and party. You have to pick two. And so for me, it was always grades and sleep versus party. Um, but for some of my other friends, it was grades and party. And for some of my other friends, it was party and sleep. And, you know, and it, that kind of determines how successful they were in the program. So I guess going back to more so of your college years, do you feel as if psychology plays any role in your art, the way you express your art, the way you communicate through your writings or how you handle your business? Or is it, you know, like what you learned, how you do your business? Is it more so of what you've learned throughout life? I think that psychology, it played a a huge role in me as an educator. Um, I took a lot of child psychology classes and stuff, and it kind of helped me to, um, determine my teaching style, especially because I didn't have any formal guidance as an educator, like that wasn't my plan. So it's not like I took classes on that or anything. Um, And it also helped me to develop more like emotional intelligence and things like that. And just knowing how powerful our minds are, it always made me want to supply people with like an outlet and a way to hold on to joy and cultivate joy from themselves. Um, because we're bombarded by so many things in life, like you need that balance. Um, do you have different inspirations for your art versus your writings? Or are they kind of a mixture of the same thing? I think at the root of it, it's me and my experiences and what I want more of. I think my writing has always been more so where I dump feelings um, and like heartbreak and stuff versus my art. I tend to not, um, I tend to not draw (laughs) what makes me sad. I tend to draw what makes me feel good instead. Um, but my writing is usually where I'll pour those things. Um, and you talked a little bit about your heritage, like where you're from. So how do, how do, how do your Bahamian and Cuban roots influence your everyday life, but also, um, you know, your professional life, your art life? I don't know. I get asked that a lot, you know, even in terms of like Miami. I think my love for color and movement, I would say, come from my heritage. Um, But I think I always lean more towards like my love for like travel and architecture and learning other cultures. So maybe that's part of it, just being surrounded by so many cultures in Miami. Like I'm always curious to just learn about more and experience more and kind of bring that to me. You said that your mom's Bahamian and your dad's Cuban. So how do you feel as if their both their cultural backgrounds kind of blended into making you the person you are now? I think it has helped me just to determine like a better worldview, like a more well-rounded worldview. Um, I'm not closed-minded about a lot of things and I tend to see both sides of most things um whether that's a a Libra moon thing or a (laughs) a family thing um yeah it's really opened my mind in that regard and and just like I understand the black experience for African Americans and how it differs for someone who does have Caribbean roots having seen that like firsthand so it's always been something that I keep in the back of my head when like taking up space like to just kind of like also amplify um those voices because I've I've seen firsthand how um my family is treated versus people who are African-American I've seen like the 
the prejudices people have that will be masked as like compliments. You know, like I've always seen people compliment my mom and say like, oh, you must not be from here in terms of just like how she speaks or something like that. And it, it just kind of always like rubbed me the wrong way um, that people carried those perceptions because I feel like had had we been born anywhere else, like, you know, the story would be different. And, and I hate to think that people get um, treated certain ways for things like that. I find it really interesting that you brought up the way people treat you based off of your Afro-Caribbean roots because I'm Bahamian but I go to school in Ohio but they treat me a certain way until they find out that I'm not like not African-American the whole dialogue completely changes and I was like don't act different now it's just like it's really weird it's really interesting that I'm not the only one that's noticed that (laughs) but I guess A question I have for you is how was the transition from teaching art to becoming a full-time illustrator? Because I focused, a lot was happening internal. So a lot changed about me um, and the way that I thought and the way that I carried myself and like the traumas and things that I had to face. So it was never really about becoming a freelance artist or a full-time artist. That was like a goal that I had. Um, especially when I was younger and at that age where like you fantasize about your family when you grow up and like what kind of mom you want to be. Um, I always wanted to be the cool mom with like the studio that could still be home and like things like that. And so in my mind, I had kind of like a goal, like by the time I'm 24, I want to be self-sufficient financially. And I had fallen so in love with teaching that I kind of (sighs) forgot about that goal. Um, yeah. So by that time I was you know, 25, 26. And I was kind of like, okay, so what's next? You know, like I was getting comfortable. And of course the universe then made me uncomfortable. Like a lot of things that I enjoyed about my school started changing. A lot of the um, activities they let me hold and like the field trips to museums and stuff just kept getting shot down um, because they wanted to focus on testing. And that didn't make sense to me because like the kids are, so stressed out um like there's so many rules and so much testing and then no real world experience no extracurriculars to um keep them engaged so from there i just kept noticing how like aggravated i was becoming um and then i ended up just making the decision to not pursue um renewing my certificate i got another job that job kind of like fell through very dramatically um, because I just had like a clash with the the boss, you know, it was like a startup and they weren't capable of like leading in like all aspects, you know, like if you're familiar with startups, it's like everybody has like 10 jobs because it's not a fully formed company yet. So it's kind of like someone says, I'm skilled in this af- aspect, so I want to make this business and then I need people who can do this, 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 this. So they were just like pulling me in a lot of directions and not um, explaining things. And, and that became stressful as well. And when I quit, the timing was just right for me to figure things out for a little bit. You know, like my lease at my apartment was ending. So I didn't really have to worry about rent. Like I kind of just moved back in with my parents and I was like, okay, I'll see how things goes. If they go well, I'll get an apartment. If not, I'll just stay here and find another job. And it ended up that like, the momentum was staying to the point where I was like, okay, I could, um, I can pay rent 
and work from home and do this. And from there, it's just been a lot of like learning as I go, you know, and getting better about discipline, getting better about um, communicating with clients, um, getting better about sharing my work and things like that. And it's just like all of the things that you have to learn behind the scenes to be able to do that is where the real, the real, real things are happening, you know, because on the outside, it's like communicating with clients to ensure that they're happy. But then internally, it's like figuring out why you avoid confrontation and why you're short tempered when people don't, you know, like, it's just like all of these other things that you have to kind of like dig deep and figure out where the source is. And um, yeah, that's, that was a big part of it. Yeah, I actually have a question about that. Um, are there times where you kind of put maybe your internal, like your internal, um, like internal, for lack of a better word, internal decisions, internal um, things on the back burner or um, vice versa, where you're putting maybe yourself first before like your clients or like your clients first before yourself? Um, I definitely think that there has to be like a, a balance in that regard because I burn out and I burn out very easily. Um, so I've had to be mindful about just like how much I'm pouring back into myself so I don't end up overdoing it, overdoing it, and then realizing that I'm just completely depleted. Um, so I will say like it's it's come with a lot of work to just learn my own boundaries and to set those and stick to them. Like, treating it like a job, not working on the weekends, not communicating with clients after like six o'clock. Um, lately, I've gotten even more stricter. Like I don't take more than three calls a day. I don't talk to people more than three times a week because all of that, like jumping around, like between email and actually creating and, and texting and following up and all of that will like drive you insane. Um, what did you learn from teaching at a high school what are like your main takeaways? I learned <laughs> so much. Um, for myself, it was nice, like I said, to just lose the pressure of creating. Um, watching the high school students and like the drama they had, it was fun to remember that everything I thought was the end of the world in high school was not. And in most stages of our life, everything that feels like the end of the world, it's not. Just like being a leader, um, you know, speaking, how to carry myself to get the respect that I needed because it's, it's kind of like an, you can't really go back. We talk about first impressions all the time, but there's no going back from a first impression as a teacher. You know, like the way that you start the year the way that you present yourself will tell them everything they need to know about whether or not they can cross lines and disrespect you and so for me having always been someone who was very soft-spoken um very introverted does not like conflict you know just avoids confrontation at all costs it really showed me how to have that balance that like i don't need to be the screaming teacher but i also don't need to be the teacher that says yes to everything and is afraid of like pissing some people off um so that was really important for me I know that you said that your relationship with art started from watching your dad and wanting to draw in his little black sketchbook and you tend to paint a lot more to things that make you happy 
but do you mind describing more in detail your relationship with art and have you always enjoyed it have you always loved it or how has it been how's this journey been for you with your art I guess um with the art specifically no I haven't always loved it (laughs) um I think that when I first started it was something that I wanted to um I had to prove that I was talented, you know, especially not being someone who was formally taught and spent like eight years studying art at a conservative school or something. You know, you just I think when you want to do something and you're not there yet, you have all of these ideas of what will validate you as that thing. Um, So it really was not fun for me in the moments where I wanted when I wanted it, like just so bad. it was only from kind of like letting go of the need to like prove myself and just exploring, exploring different mediums, um, you know, between painting and illustration and animation and just like focusing on the learning aspect and the explorative aspect versus just like creating things to be shared and then waiting on other people's feedback of it. Um, I think that changed a lot. That changed it a lot for me, just like my experience and my, um, relationship with it that's really interesting i love how you say that you're introvert and you're very like soft-spoken i when people describe me they describe me the exact same way but when i look at you when i look at your clothing everything's just like very loud very bright and it's all so beautiful so i wouldn't really pair the two together but it's just like a really interesting a really interesting and really beautiful connection that you have there thank you thank you I think I I attribute that to like, again, the work, the internal work that um, I've had to do because I've, I think I've always struggled with that and compared myself and wondered like, if I want to be successful, do I need to be more like this, this or this? And it's taken a while and a lot of self-reflection for me to accept that I am fine the way that I am and I can be successful the way that I am and I can demand attention in other ways. It doesn't mean that I have to be loud or I have to constantly be speaking or constantly be demanding attention. Like, I think it took me like, just kind of like sitting with myself and getting comfortable with myself and then realizing the way that I can differentiate myself. Um, Part of it is like being colorful, you know, and, and wearing clothing that's colorful while also not needing to be like the loudest person in the room. Like, I think that the way that I carry myself um, can speak for me the way that I create can speak for me. And that's, to me, that's been more comfortable for me. That's really, I actually, okay. I love your style. I'm so sorry, but (laughs) it's just, it's so colorful because whenever I try to pair colors together, it just, I, it does not work together. So how do you, how, like, I would never think pink earrings, yellow top or yellow dress. I don't know if it's a dress or a top, but <laughs> it all just seems, like, pretty nice, pretty well, like, put together. And it really has, like, a cute, like, pop statement that's kind of going on now. So, I mm-hmm. guess, do you mind describing your style and how do you pair a lot of colors together? Because I tend to stick to blacks and, like, very mute colors so that I don't go out looking like a clown. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I can put it. <laughs> I feel like I've improved as like my use of color in my art has improved because I used to also draw very like true to life because I'm scared to take that chance. Um, And I think as I started looking for more like inspirations that were colorful and I started to learn the way that colors can complement each other, 
um, it just became like second nature, you know, to just see how something pairs up and how something contrasts. Um, I also love Pinterest. I'll always stand by Pinterest and I look at color blocking um, and eventually you, you know, like you kind of pick up on it, you learn and you learn what color combos you like. Cause I feel like even though this might be um, like pink and yellow might be different, but then you'll see me pair pink and yellow again, you know, or you'll see me do like aqua and like peach or something. And it'll, it'll kind of be like the same combos that right now feel safe, um, but might look a little funky from the outside in, but it's something that I've kind of like gotten used to. <laughs> I feel like that's a good segue into our next question because um, this is from your website, but you say that you seek to represent the beauty and vibrance of women and fill the world with fine art of said women so that they can feel represented in those spaces. So apart from, I guess, your style, um, how does that play out? And do you ever feel the need to change the purpose of your art? Absolutely not. (laughs) A lot of times um, men will ask me, like, why don't I draw men and things like that? And I don't think... I don't think that's my purpose. You know, I won't even say that I don't think it's necessary, but I think that there are already a lot of artists that have um, are covering that. But for me, I've never gone into a gallery and seen something and said like, that reminds me of me, you know? And I think that it's unfortunate, um, even taking my students on field trips, just taking note of the kinds of things that we see around us. Um, especially when it comes to black and brown bodies, it is always either not present enough or what is present is reminiscent of just like all of the trauma and all of the dark history and not really imagining um, anything beyond that. So I just wanted to be responsible for adding, you know, some more of that into the world. Um, How has social media affected your business and the art world? Social media is a great tool. And I think when I realized that, um, not all at once, like it's taken forever, but I'll broaden this to just say in general, like everything that you do and everything that you learn is like planting seeds and you don't know when they're gonna sprout. And sometimes they all sprout at the same time. So I feel like probably for the last two or three years, I've been very mindful of my presence on social media, um, who I follow. I make sure I only follow people and pages that inspire me and like keep me focused on what I need to focus on. Um, I never follow any, you know, I won't even name them, but we know the, the, the pages that are totally based on like exposing rumors and just like keeping people like, it's like a drug, like you're constantly checking and then you're reading comments and then you're clicking people's profiles because they said something wild. I've always been very careful to like stay away from that side of social media. Um, And even in in terms of like my presence, you know, a lot of people will ask like, well, how do you build a social media um, community or following and things like that? And like social media is supposed to be for engagement which means that you should engage with the people that you're following and the people um, that are following you. So I've always been very mindful to do like polls and questions. And if people take the time to answer, if I say like, how's everybody feeling and people answer, I try to actually get back to people and, and, you know, like share how I'm feeling and start a conversation. Um, And I think that's been very important in making it feel like people are there, um, you know, for me and to be, you know, like we're we're all friends essentially versus like 
posting things and like wanting to take from people like support me follow me share this it's it's more so like i'm whatever i'm posting is to start a conversation um it's to deepen connections it's to deepen other people's connections with themselves um get them thinking get them appreciating themselves getting them questioning where they find joy in their life and how they can add more and i feel like over time um that has paid off you know and this is coming from like i think last year around this time if i would post art like it wouldn't get any more than like 80 90 likes you know um whereas like selfies would get like hundreds of likes now it's kind of like flip like my art is what people are there for um and me i'm just kind of like a, a byproduct <laughs> but it's fine because that's you know ultimately what i wanted yeah, by the way, I don't think we've even had, I have had the chance to say this, but your art is, wow. Yes. Like, your art is beautiful. <laughs> she Thank loves you. it. Yes, uh, a couple of days ago when we were going yeah, through, she's like, like I want to buy this one, I want to buy this one, I want to buy this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm still, when I get an apartment, I'll come back to you because... Okay. Yeah, your art is going to be all over my apartment. I can't she was like, I want these, but I have nowhere yes. to put them. <laughs> yeah yeah it's okay i feel like don't worry i'll be back i'll be back soon um but describe especially during this like time that we're in um i feel like this is a very like historical you know time that we're in so how have you seen art and graphic design play a role um i think like to me this is our time like this we are part of like a very um important army that I don't think anybody foresaw because it has been so important in this time where like we don't have any answers and so much is happening at the same time and it's very hard to articulate that and put that into like just expressing like in the beginning of the conversation when I said like I don't know how I am but for people who are able to capture what is going on through their art through their poetry um people who are creating works that have jump-started dialogues on their own platforms. Um, I think it's been very essential, you know, and it's been hard for me to make, focus on really making anything like new, but I've seen a lot of like what I already, again, like just planting seeds, like a lot of the imagery that I already have, like I'm seeing it being used and, and, and used by people who kind of like need something to go with their feelings and, and a way to like express that. And I think that's so important. We see a lot, you see through your art things that make you happy. And you said that your art describes a lot of things that make you happy. So I guess, can you put into words the things that make you happy? It's pretty obvious that you do a lot to protect your energy. And I very much respect that. I really appreciate that. It gives me, gave me a little bit of inspiration to go on an unfollowing spree just now. <laughs> but how, um, how has it like can you describe your art and what makes you happy yeah sure so what makes me happy is anything that frees my mind to continue to just imagine the kind of world that i want to live in so i feel like when i was younger i was under the impression that like we lived in this fairy tale and everything would always be perfect and every time life proved that to not be true i would be devastated so over time it became very important for me to just understand where i can create happiness for myself and maintain it, you know? And so that 
was through reading, that was through music, um, now through my dog, you know, through caring for plants and just having a space around me of just things that make me happy um, and fill me up. Um, you know, I just, I don't know, I love being able to read and write and I love um, remembering my experiences through my poetry and, and keeping keeping things simple that balance of like a simple life with like a, a big, bigger meaning um, is just really important to me. Um, travel, experiencing like just beautiful places, the feeling of, it gives you of just like being refreshed um, because I love all of those things. I love the morning, I love the new year, I love traveling, all of those things that tend to like reset our energy, you know, like when you start to get very stagnant. I wrote a poem about that, like in my book about just how like cleaning is more than just like cleaning, you know, because after a while you don't clean your desk, you don't clean your space. The same way that dust settles is the same way that energy settles, you know, and you'll go a while, even when it comes to like binge watching Netflix or something, it's fine the first day, it's fine the second day, but like three, four five days in, you start to feel anxious and depressed and you're like, what's wrong with me? And what happens is like all that energy has been sitting there. You've been stagnant. And now your, your brain is like, what, like, what, what do we have to look forward to? What's going on in the world? Like, you're just kind of like in this bubble um, of stagnancy. So it's been very important for me to just kind of like circulate the way that I do things and make sure that I'm always filling myself um, with some type of like any, any type of stimulation that recharges my energy. Well, now I got to go get your book. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, well, you have somewhere to put the book, so you got to get it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so um, going, like, this is a really good segue. So can you talk to us about In Bloom? What was your inspiration for creating that body of work? And how was the process creating it? Yeah, so In Bloom is my second published poetry collection. The first one was um, a documentation of like the growth that I experienced throughout a relationship. And so since it's written very like sequentially, once it was over, I published that book, continue writing, you know, I was like the relationship ended and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't really have plans for the next book until everything happened with like, quitting teaching and just like going out on my own and all of the lessons I was learning, all of the self-reflection I was doing, all of like the skin I was shedding. Um, and I just started to realize that that's what was happening. Like I was personally in bloom and just like shedding all of these thought processes that kept me in one, like in one place and in one mindset and, and just how my feelings towards love was evolving and my understanding of it and, and myself, um, what I wanted to see in the world. Just like as all of those things were evolving, I started to just document them, um, you know, and putting it all together. So it's fun for me because I get to do everything. I get to do the formatting, the illustration, the cover, all of that. And so it's just really fun to put it all together. You know, like it's a lot of work. I tend to, I write everything down to a certain point um, in my notes in my phone, very simple. So once it gets to like 
200 something pages that's when I'll start like looking at it on the computer and like making sense of how I want it to be and as I do that I start to see gaps that I might need to fill so I'll add more poems because I'll be like oh you didn't write that day probably because you were like really going through it you know because sometimes it's easy to write when like we're either like so sad or like so happy or whatever but sometimes in the midst of the chaos that is going to lead you there you kind of don't have time to write so I'll fill in all the blanks from there, like, you know, you got to edit it, edit it, edit it. I'll print it out. I'll make sure that everything is in the order that I want. Go back to the computer, add the little illustrations. Um, this time the cover was the hardest part because I wanted it to be perfect. Yeah. And from there it was just, um, it was a beautiful process. You know, while I was writing it, I was so proud of how vulnerable I was being. Um, I knew it was something that I wanted to celebrate. So I ended up doing... Um, a photo shoot for it. I did like a cover reveal, you know, I pre-sold it. And then I did a little mini like book tour um, where I went like all around this, the country um, to like five or six cities. And it was also like a goodbye trip because I was supposed to move to Barcelona in March and then COVID hit and then I couldn't go. But meanwhile, like February, March, I had done the book tour um, to say bye to my friends and to meet people who were reading the book. And it was just really, really rewarding. Um, and again, like on the surface, that's what hap what was happening. But internally, I had to get over all of my thoughts of like not being ready or the book not being good enough to do something like that. Or just like, who cares, you know, or no one's going to show up if I do it. How am I going to afford it? Um, just all of those things, you know, that keep you like wanting to be modest or wanting to be small so that you don't have to worry about people's perceptions or you don't have to worry about failing. And I had to like, just kill all of that and just like evolve and just step into my power. So I know you talked about Barcelona. That's interesting. So is there like, what was your reason for wanting to move to Barcelona? And is that plan still going to happen? Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I just got to the point where I felt like I outgrew Miami. Um, I never, ever, ever wanted to leave here. A lot of my friends that are like either in the music industry or creative industries, as soon as they reach a certain level of success, they always either go to New York or go to LA. And I've always seen that and I've been like, okay, Miami doesn't grow in that sense because every time people reach a certain point, they say like, I need more opportunities and they leave. So I had no intentions of leaving, but I just started to um, listen to my intuition more, which you'll see when you read in Bloom, like how that happened. Um, and I just started getting the feeling that like maybe that wasn't it for me. Like maybe it was t like something was gonna come and I would have to just change my perception of like not leaving. And over time it just evolved until like, I, I was kind of waiting. I was like, okay, well, if an opportunity came, like I would go. And it just got to the point where I knew for sure that's what I needed to do. So I just made plans um, to do that. And yeah, I plan to just like travel around Europe just because they have a different relationship to the arts. I think that in America, we're very focused on money. Um, so everything that we do, like the end goal is money. How can I make more money? How can I be successful in this sense? And there they have more of a cultural relation to the arts, like they value the arts just as something that like 
they put their heart into and they enjoy and it's conversation and it's about community and coming together and like just experiencing these things. And I wanted to see how my art would evolve in that context, just being focused on like being a better artist in general, not being more famous or more rich, but just like, how can I fall in love with art in different ways, you know, as well as challenging myself. Because when you're in a place where you don't speak the language completely or like you don't know anybody and nobody knows of you, you have to like start speaking up for yourself. Whereas in Miami, it's generally like, or even in America now, you know, like I know someone that knows someone that will like refer me for something and then things come into play. So I kind of wanted to know what it would be like to have to like walk into um, an art studio or an agency or gallery and say like, this is who I am. This is what I create. Um, you know, take a look, you know, just speaking up for myself. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, are you okay? I don't know why. But when you said you're moving to Barcelona, I just had the question. To, I just needed had the urgency to ask, are you bilingual? I don't know why it didn't come up when you said that you're Cuban, <laughs> Cuban Bahamian, but it came up when you yeah. were moving to Barcelona. So <laughs> I try. I'm not confident in any of um, the languages that I speak. So I learned French. Um, I took French for seven years and I read and watch. I read a lot of French news, watch a lot of shows in French to like keep it up. So what French shows do you watch? Because um, I take French. That's why I was. Yeah. Have you seen? I think it's called Le Plan Per on Netflix. I don't think it's so. It's like the breakup plan so. or something. Really good show. You oh yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. I do with the prostitute. Yeah, yeah. No, he's yes. not a prostitute. What do you call? He's like a gigolo. A gigolo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that one's good. I've that was a really some, good one. I've seen. Did some, you like, watch um, the one with like the like the, it's like a agency like a an acting agency type of thing? I don't remember what it was like. I don't remember the name. I'll 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 send it to you. But it was really good. That one really helped me with my French. But yeah, the breakup plan was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you have that means you have to send me recommendations now. But um, yes, yes, will do. <laughs> because I'm so shy to use it in conversation, I feel like my language skills have never gotten to where they need to be. So you write me a letter, I could read it, I could respond. But like in the moment, it's it's not gonna happen. So. Yeah, I'm really trying to work on my French and Spanish conversation wise. I've also um, been learning like Portuguese the past couple of years, but like very basic stuff. So I would love I just love languages and people so much. So I when people write me um, like there's a lot of people that follow me in like Brazil and stuff. And I like to respond to people in their language, um, even though most people can speak English. I try to just like keep practicing and I'll respond in whatever language they wrote to me in. Oh, that's that's actually a really good that's, way to I like that. Yeah. Learning. I don't know. I've been taking Spanish basically my entire life and apparently when I'm drunk I'm fluent, but when I'm not <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Because you're not thinking hello. you're not thinking that you're gonna sound stupid. You're just like speaking, which is what we need to do. Like we need to speak and make mistakes and hopefully you're talking to someone that's not a jerk and they'll just correct you and then you'll learn from it. Um, but there's also an app called Tandem where you can converse with people that are want to learn like English. And so they'll teach you Spanish or French or Portuguese or Italian, whatever you want to learn. And the meanwhile, like you teach them English. Oh, Tandem. And you can okay. like, you can text, you can voice chat, you can video chat. Just be careful of weirdos. And yep. it's fine. <laughs> 
tandem. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that. <laughs> I was wondering if you could, if you could like describe who In Bloom is for, like who your audience is, like who, do, who is there like a specific person that you want to read In Bloom? Well, In Bloom to me was for anyone who is currently on a journey. And I think we're always all on a journey, whether you recognize it or not. So I would say everyone, but I know that's pretty broad. Um, but I wanted it to be kind of like a blueprint because I know, even though when I started the book, I didn't think like I was anyone to look up to, but I do know that there are people who will constantly ask me like, how did you do this? How do you do that? And I've always been more focused on the inner work than anything, you know, besides the opportunities and stuff. I think that things come to you when the energy is pure and when you're ready for it, you know. So I've always been more concerned with su sustainable success rather than like any quick um, being viral or anything like that, you know, because there's no good in opportunities coming to you if you're not ready for it. So those are the kind of questions that I was asking myself. And so that was the kind of work that I was doing. Like, how can I be a better person? How can I be a more positive person, a more supporting person? And like, just all of the things that you have to deal with when you're you're doing that work, which is some of the hardest and most lonely, um, you know, the work that you do on yourself. It's like, it's just one-on-one, -on -one. It's, it's you and you. What we learn in relationships it's different because you kind of like, you learn a lot from a breakup, but like you were doing it with someone. But when you really decide that you're gonna take a step back and self-reflect and just figure out everything that's um, going on with you, that's when it gets super real. Yes, coming off of that, what is your why? My why is just to help people feel their best, to find joy, um, exactly where they are. You know, of course, I want people to grow and expand, but I really want people to learn gratitude and just like being comfortable in whatever space they are. Because sometimes that's the space of like not knowing what's next. Sometimes that's the space of not having a lot of money or opportunities. Sometimes that's a space of singleness. Like, because for me, I was always chasing things to make me happy more money, more better jobs, uh, uh, you know, forever love and things like that. And I had to learn that, like, I just want to be happy all the time. I don't want to be happy when I have a new boyfriend only or when I get a new car. Like, I just want to be happy even when things around me are not good. And I wanted, I've always wanted other people um, to also know that and to also understand that and have that because the world is so, life is so hard. Um, and the world can get really ugly. And that's something just like, I don't know, being an empath has always troubled me, just knowing that some people are just not happy and they're not in the circumstances to be happy. So if I can in any way help and empower people to find a sliver of happiness exactly where they are at this moment, um, I would, that's, it would be a pleasure to be responsible for that. What was the catalyst that got you to the point of noticing that you just wanted to help other people feel happy and that you wanted to be happy all the time? Like, what was the process getting to it and how are you working on that now? Mm -hmm. I think coming to terms with my own privilege rather than like, I think we go through a phase when you realize that you have privileges where you feel like, shame or you try to focus on like what is bad in your life so you can be like not feel guilty about it 
Um, but growing up, I mean, my family has always been like middle class, sometimes upper middle class. Finances have fluctuated, but throughout it all, like my parents have remained married and in love, and I've been in a stable um, home environment, which a lot of people don't have. Um, just like existing in a way that has never led me to be a target of any kind, you know, just being a heterosexual Christian female um, that is like, I live, yes, a minority, but like in a city where minorities are what's popping. Um, so before when I wanted to have an impact, it's like, I wanted to, to hide away from those things. And like, I wanted to fit in in like a different way. So once I really like face that and I was like, okay, so you may not be able to like understand what people are going through, but you do understand how important it is to be happy, you know, and I, you do understand how important it is to have a stable um, background and knowing that some people don't have that. And I have the privilege of like being light enough that I can focus on that. Um, because it, it definitely is, you know, even me saying that I can create art that makes me happy and that I want other people to be happy. Some people are harboring so much pain, they can't imagine that. So being that I can, I'll do it, you know, and hopefully it brings other people joy versus trying to just contribute more of what I don't understand, you know, because I went through a phase of like trying to draw pictures of like child abuse. Like, yeah, child abuse makes me sad, but like I've never experienced it. And it wasn't coming from a pure place. It was coming from a place of like, oh, people will understand that this is bad. And that, you know, like it wasn't like, I personally feel this towards this subject. So I create art. Um, yeah, so I can empathize with it, but it wasn't like pure. So I think that's what it comes down to. Just being grateful that I was born um, into a family that helped allowed me to just live life oblivious for the most part. And as reality started to hit, um, I've just become more and more grateful for that. What will you be focusing on, um, like in the list, the last half of 2020, both professionally and personally? Scheduling my time better. I definitely want to take some time to just kind of like recalibrate. Um, I'm planning to like not work in August on like client work and just kind of like paint and relax and just re reimagine like the way that I want to present myself or things that I want to do. I think I've reached the point of like just really needing um, a reset. So I'm excited about that. During quarantine, like I've almost finished another book. So that will probably come out. And yeah, I think it's better than the last one, but we'll see. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> So I need to get two then. So it's two books that I'm getting. Okay. All right. I mean, we're, I mean, we're approaching number three, so. Okay. All right. You gotta, all you right, gotta catch okay. up. Whatever you have from me, I will take. You gotta catch up. I mean, they're, they're easy reads though. That's one thing that I like about them. Even for me, um, as the writer, sometimes like I, they're, sometimes I just need something and I'll go back and look and I can just flip through and be like, yeah, I needed that. So I try not to make anything too like, inaccessible like I want the language I want it yeah. to just be like this feels like a thought that has popped into your head that you couldn't verbalize and like it's there on paper so okay all right I'll, I'm getting I'm getting it I'll just I pre-order right 
for the third one? Is, will there be a promoter in, I'll available? let you know. All right. All right I still need okay. a title. You know, I still need a lot of things. All right. That's okay. I'm here. I'm waiting. <laughs> I, I, I'm here patient. <laughs> um. So I guess, who are you looking up to in the girl boss community? Who am I? Um. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say I'm in my own world. Like, I don't see people doing good things. But there's just so much good things that I see happening. Um, and I think that our community in general, as women, as Black women, like, we've been killing it. So that would be very hard to say. And I'm kind of like, I kind of take inspiration and then move on. Like, I don't. I've never had like a an idol because I kind of like whatever I appreciate from someone, that's what I appreciate from them. And then that's it. Like, I don't need to know what they're doing every day. I don't need to know their morning routine. Um, so there's women, you know, like Elaine Weddle-Roth and Cleo Wade that like I just appreciate the way that they carry themselves, the barriers that they break. And then I'm like, hmm, noted. That means that I could do that. Cool. And then I just continue like moving you know even when I started um digital art and graphic design like there's just certain artists that jump started my thinking that like oh this is possible oh this can be a co career you know um and just seeing them do different things that I was like, like that point that you made that you just appreciated at the moment and like move on because we ask this question a lot and sometimes I think like who do I even look up to but though after hearing the way you phrased it, I feel as if I can connect a lot more with how you take in your inspiration and just move on. Because I, I'm not good at name dropping. You can ask me <laughs> to drop some names any time of day. I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> so that's really yeah, great. yeah. No, and I mean I look at how people like how many people's worlds were turned upside down when Kanye West wore his MAGA hat, and I'm like, you see that's. Like, that's something that I've, I've had to learn, even though I've never idolized anyone. Just, like, thinking because someone is good at one thing, that they are morally superior or more educated than you. Like, you will be very disappointed when you realize, like, just because this person was able to create this wonderful business or this wonderful platform, it doesn't mean that you should be living your life the way that you know they live there it doesn't mean that you should be looking to them to like guide you through a political movement or you know i think especially right now we're learning that left and right with all of these celebrities just saying things that were like are you like are you blind like where have you been you know and it's kind of like just because people are good enough or talented enough in one aspect doesn't mean that they are all of the things that you yourself would want to be or you would respect so i think it's important to just like appreciate people for what it is that they do and in whatever ways they inspire you and like leave it there very well said and i tell people that even in terms of like mentorship and stuff like yes a mentor would be nice like right now i would love a mentor that could just like help me get to whatever the next step for me is but i think that there are crumbs that people leave everywhere and blueprints that people leave everywhere and if you just kind of like pay attention, note it, see the way that they do things, like you don't need anyone to hold your hand and co-sign you and 
baby you or take you under your wing because there's just so much inspiration and so many answers everywhere. Um, yeah, and this is our last question. Um, but what advice would you give your 18 or 20 year old self? To relax and enjoy it. Like everything's gonna be fine. Um, everything is unfolding and unraveling in your best interest. So learn the lessons, take the opportunities, and just enjoy. I like that. That's beautiful. That's all we can really do, to be honest. Like, there's no point in stressing yourself out. Like, I feel like I stress myself out over like the like literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the UNI podcast. We are so grateful that you took the time to talk to the listeners and us. Thank you guys so much for having me. I enjoyed you and these questions. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed and got something from our conversation with Rena, especially how to protect your energy. Seems a very important process to bloom. Um, (laughs) Again, we want this to be an ongoing conversation with you. So please feel free to leave your comments, ideas, and feedback on our latest Instagram post at the UNI podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you during next week's episode. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the UNI podcast. If you love this episode as much as we did, rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, check out our show notes for all of our links, including our Cheers to Better You guide and workbook. New episodes drop every week on Monday. We can't wait to hang out with you again. We'll talk soon. Bye.